Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, I have some strong words and opinions about stuff in the aquarium world, and I'm not afraid to share them with you in many days. Today's one of those days. I needed to clarify, explain, and share some ideas. Someone asked me the other day, rather innocently, I might add, uh, how, you know, we invented the idea of using botanicals in the aquarium. And as I often do, after I cringed, I strongly and immediately corrected her and explained that there's no single hobbyist or vendor that who invented the idea. As long as people have been playing with aquariums, they've been throwing twigs and leaves and stuff like that into them for various reasons and with various goals. Nevertheless, it's not some new practice that Tannin Aquatics invented. I don't know why we as hobbyists need to assign a creator or an inventor to everything. It's a bit weird, actually. Now, if you want to give us credit for something, you can consider this. The term botanicals didn't even exist as a contextual descriptor for the stuff in aquariums until about, oh, say 2015, when we started Tannin and used the term to describe them. I appropriated this term because the hobby needed a good descriptor of what the stuff was, especially if, as was my goal, we intended to make the practice of using them to create specific aquarium environments in our tanks more mainstream in the hobby. I didn't claim many things in the hobby, I still don't, but I will claim that one. Developing terminology and process are important parts of elevating hobby practices. Yeah, I suppose I'm acting rather boorishly about this because hobby history is important to me, and I want to set the history straight because the botanical style aquarium is still evolving, and we need to understand the difference between uh, a more disciplined approach and simply tossing seed pods and such into tanks as the hobbyists have done for years. I'd say it again, we didn't invent the idea, nobody did. Well, Philman, if you didn't invent this stuff, what the hell did you do, as if anybody really cares? But what we did do was to source, test, resource, and refine the practices involved in utilizing botanical materials safely and more predictably in aquariums. And taking this stuff to a more serious level required not only the aforementioned work, it required some descriptors and some definitions. And of course, while we're on the subject of definitions, botanicals are simply natural plant materials, generally leaves, bark, wood, and seed pods that are used for both decorative and environmental enrichment purposes in our aquariums. Scott, you sell twigs and nuts, as one of my reef-keeping friends profoundly declared. I suppose he wasn't too far off either, although I guess that was a bit overgeneralized these days. Now, the interesting thing is that, as hobbyists often do, early on we had to fight off the most superficial aspects of the description of our practice. We had to overcome the perception that utilizing botanicals was just some form of aquascaping. I mean, sure, there is a large and significant aesthetic component to what we do. However, the most important aspect of using botanicals in the aquarium is that they have the ability to influence the closed environment of the aquarium in a number of ways. Many fishes like, you know, tetras, cichlids, and catfishes, as well as numerous African and Southeast Asian species like guaramis and betas and so forth, benefit from tannic acids and humic substances released by these materials into the water. We've talked about that a million times here. And it's been long understood that there are actually some possible antifungal and maybe even antibacterial benefits to the properties inherent in black water, resulting in healthier fishes and more viable spawns. And of course, botanical materials can help us recreate, to some extent, those conditions in the aquarium. And of course, it's not just environmental benefits that we see. Some animals, such as pleco and ornamental shrimp and so forth, actually uh, derive supplemental nutrition from grazing on these materials. And there are the exceptions of what happens, you know, to when we put these materials in the aquariums. We have to consider these things, not only because they impact our fish's lives, but because they require us as hobbyists to make mental shifts to accept the function and appearance of these aquariums. This is perhaps different than almost any other aquarium approach out there at the moment. 
This is what we spent a decade prior to 10 and, uh, and five years since we commenced business helping to sort of flesh out, define, and explain. Do you want a perfectly predictable sequence of occurrences and expectations for your botanical-style aquarium? Don't waste your time. Don't even think about it. Perfect predictability is just not a thing with these tanks. That being said, over the decades, we've noticed a specific group of phenomenon that will occur with some regularity in botanical-style aquariums. Our experience positions us perfectly to help disseminate this information. And that is the crux of why we spend so much time and space discussing this stuff. We want expectations and experiences to be realistic and appropriate. That's our contribution to this game. Now, one of the things that we all experience with these types of systems is an initial burst of tannins, which will provide a significant amount of visible color to the water. If you're not using activated carbon or some other filtration media, the tint will be more pronounced and likely last longer than if you're actively removing it with these materials. Makes sense. You might also experience a bit of initial cloudiness in your water. And this I find interesting. This could be either physical dust or materials released from the tissues of the botanicals, you know, uh, lignin and so forth, or even a burst of bacteria or microorganisms. I'm not really sure, but it usually passes quickly with minimal, if any, intervention on your part. Oh, and interestingly enough, not everyone experiences this. Often this is a phenomenon which seems to happen in brand new tanks, so it might not even be directly attributable to the presence of the botanicals. Well, at least not 100%. It might be other materials. It could be the sand, dust, and dirt from the other hardscape stuff, or even the tank itself. Of course, for those of you who will experiment with our nature-based Varzea and Agapo substrates when they debut, you will experience cloudiness, turbidity, and tint as part of the game. You'll either love it or hate it, but you will experience it. How much of a mental shift can you make to accept this as normal for your aquarium? That's the big question. If you can't, a recommendation is that you don't even think about purchasing these substrates. Just don't. They're not sand and gravel. That's not what they're intended for. As with so many things in our practice of botanical-style aquarium keeping, we need to turn to nature for a prototype of how these habitats are supposed to look and function. This is aquarium keeping at its most raw, elemental, and yeah, natural. In a strange way, it's actually cutting edge. And that means the expectation set is new, different, and unlike anything we've been indoctrinated to accept in the hobby before. It'll challenge you. It'll test you. Perhaps it'll even piss you off because it's not, you know, nature aquarium, sterile artistic beauty. It's hard for many aquarists and many hobbyists to accept. And that's understandable, and that's okay. If this shit bothers you, don't even think about setting up one of these types of tanks. Ouch. So yeah, that being said, what happens next after you set up a tank in a typical botanical-style aquarium as it evolves? Well, typically, as most of you who played with this stuff know, the botanicals will begin to soften and break down over a period of several weeks. As we've discussed ad nauseum, you have the option to leave them in as they break down or remove them, whatever aesthetic sensibilities tell you to do. Many tinters like myself, we have been leaving their botanicals in until completely decomposed, utilizing them almost as a sort of botanical mulch, particularly in planted aquariums, and many have reported excellent results. Sure, the stuff will go through that biofilm phase before ultimately breaking down, and you'll have many opportunities to remove it. Uh, or, in the case of most hobbyists these days, enjoy it for the food and biodiversity that it brings to your system. And you'll likely add new materials as the old ones break down, completely analogous to leaf drop, which occurs in wild aquatic habitats that we seek to replicate. I've never personally had any negative side effects that we could attribute to leaving botanicals to completely break down in an otherwise healthy, well-managed aquarium. Many, many users, present company included, see no detectable increases in nitrate or phosphate as a result of this process. Of course, this has prompted me to postulate that perhaps they form a sort of biological filtration media and actually foster some denitrification, etc. I have no scientific evidence to back up the theory, of course, like most of my theories, <laughs> but I think there might be a grain of truth there. 
we're going to introduce some products later in the summer, maybe early fall, which will address this whole biological operating system of botanical-style aquariums in ways not previously done. Suffice it to say, they're going to require not only mental shifts on your part, but some observation, experimentation, education, and dedication. Not into that? Don't even think about trying them. Really, it's okay. Are you sensing a theme here? Probably. When <laughs> oh, speaking of expectations, one of the givens of a botanical aquarium, a botanical-style aquarium keeping, is that you'll likely have to clean and replace pre-filters, micron socks, filter pads, etc. more frequently. Just like in nature, when the botanical materials, leaves in particular, begin to break down, you'll see some of this stuff suspended in the water column from time to time, and bits and pieces will get pulled into your filter, and they'll definitely slow down the flow over time. Stuff breaks down, and you can't stop it. Well, not unless you're standing by with your siphon hose, at least, you know, by your tank, 24-7, 365. The best solution, in my opinion, is to simply change pre-filters frequently and clean pumps and power heads regularly as part of your weekly maintenance regimen. Not into that? Well, you know what I'm going to say, right? <laughs> and of course, this is the elegant segue into the part about your weekly maintenance regimen, right? Well, here's my simple thoughts on this. Do whatever floats your boat. If you're a bi-weekly water change maintenance kind of person, do that. If you're a once-a-month kind of person, well, you might want to re-examine that, but whatever. Do what works for you. Botanical-style black water tanks, although remarkably stable and easygoing once they're set up and running, really are not true set-and-forget systems, in my opinion. You want to at least take a weekly or bi-weekly assessment of their performance and their overall condition. Now, far be it from me to tell you, you know, the experienced aquarist, how to run your tanks. However, I'm just sort of giving you a broad-based recommendation based on my experience and those of many others over the years with these types of systems. You need to decide what works best for you and for your animals, of course. Now, remember, you're dealing with a tank filled with decomposing botanical materials. I can't stress this enough. I mean, what do you think is going to be normal for a tank like this? Good overall husbandry is necessary to keep your tank stable and healthy, and that includes the dreaded, by many anyway, regular water exchanges. As we pointed out, at the very least, you'll be cleaning and or replacing pre-filter media as part of your routine, and that's typically a bi-weekly to weekly sort of thing. Just sort of goes with the territory here, because, you know, leaves. <laughs> oh, and during water exchanges, people ask me this all the time, I'll typically siphon out any breeze that may have lodged where I don't want them, like in the leaves of that, you know, Amazon sword plant or whatever. However, for the most part, I'm merely siphoning water from down low in the water column. I'm a sort of leave them alone as they decompose kind of guy. And I'm not going to go into all the nuances of water preparation for use. You have way, your ways and they work for you. If you want to hear my way sometimes, just hit me up on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. We can talk about it. It's not really rocket science or anything, but everyone has their own techniques. And of course, regular water testing is also important. So your water testing regimen should include things like pH, TDS, alkalinity, and if you're so inclined, nitrate and phosphate. Logging this information over time will give us all some good data upon which we can develop our expectations and best practices for water quality management. Again, it's not just the information you're going to gain about your own aquarium and its trends. It's important because we as proponents of this type of aquarium movement need to log and share information about our systems so we can develop a sort of model for baseline performance of these systems and continue to develop and refine standards for techniques, practices, and expectations about how these tanks work. You're a pioneer of sorts, regardless of whether or not you perceive yourself to be one. Don't like that aspect? Well, don't even think about setting up one of these tanks. It's reality. That's what you are. Ouch, I'm really hitting hard this morning, aren't I? I am, because you need to understand that playing with botanical-style aquariums is more than just a style of aquascaping. It's not just about the look. In fact, the function, the very nature of what we do and want to achieve with these tanks, is what dictates the look. It's about process. Setting the stage for the processes to take place, of course, is only the beginning. 
<clears throat> excuse me, and then comes the part about letting go a bit, allowing nature to evolve our work. We can look on and on, we can like, take delight in what's happening, to find little vignettes, little moments of fleeting beauty that need not be permanent to enjoy. And the changes, those earthy, perhaps inevitable changes which occur when terrestrial materials are submerged in water for an extended period of time, they're elegant yet untamed and not everybody's idea of beautiful. Why? Largely because we don't control every aspect of the process, because we don't impose excessive amounts of order or influence to it. We cede some of it to nature, and that includes accepting the look as well, however it is. It's hard, really hard for many. Some people just don't get it, and they proffer that this is simply sloppy and not thought out and seemingly random. I recall vividly one critic on Facebook who once told me, you know, um, that the scape that was being featured by a, another aquarist was looked like someone had just threw some seed pods and leaves in there in a random fashion. Yeah, the guy actually described the whole aesthetic to a certain, although unsophisticated, degree, but he couldn't get past the look and therefore concluded it was haphazard, sloppy, and not thought out. A shame, a real shame. I think that if he glanced at a natural habitat and then looked at the tank again, he'd gain a new appreciation, or at the very least, some sort of understanding. But on the other hand, that was the charm and beauty of such a conceptual work, the seemingly random, transient nature of such an aquascape, with leaves deposited as in nature by currents, tidal flows, etc., setting in, you know, settling in unlikely little areas within the hardscape, allowing her, that being nature, to take some of the control. Not everybody likes this or appreciates it, and that's perfectly fine. It's not the best way to run a tank. It's just a way. Yet, with so many people worldwide starting to play seriously with blackwater botanical-style tanks, we're starting to see more and more common trends, questions, ideas, issues, and ways to manage them, a necessary evolution, and one which we can all contribute to. Yet, if you're not into this, if you think setting up one of these tanks is just going to be a cool look for your fish room, requiring a little effort, if you're just going to try to jump on some sort of trend, please, I beg you, don't even think about it. Help evolve the hobby. Stay bold. Stay strong. Stay observant. Stay thoughtful. Stay diligent. Stay open-minded. Stay adventurous. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tin and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.